And welcome back, everyone, again to the Horror Motel. We are delighted to have you in our creepy, spooky environment. Uh, This week, I'm excited. I'm bringing a movie to the hotel, uh, which my co-host has never seen before, which always makes me uh, very excited. Speaking of my co-host, I'm not going to waste any more time. I'm going to bring them out. You know them. You love them as much as I do. The talented, the enchanting, the uh, uh, coordinated. I don't actually really know that. I'm throwing in coordinated. I have no idea if you're coordinated. Funny galore, everyone. (laughs) Hello, darling. Well, thank you for that delicious (laughs) introduction. Um, Coordinated. I don't know if I... I I'm not that coordinated fashion-wise, and I don't think I'm coordinated in life particularly. Um, uh, Rambling mess, I think, is probably... (laughs) Stop it. Absolutely not. Your rambling mess sounds so organized and put together. What about actual physical coordination? Can you do like, can you do things? Can you tap your head and rub your belly and all that jazz? uh, Oh, mm, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, (laughs) For the listeners, I was trying to do that then. You Um, Um, I'm coordinating, well, I, you know, I trained as a dancer, so I kind of am in a way, but not too extreme because I always think I was never very good at tap. And then I realized after a while, tap is more, is actually, it's beating out a rhythm. It's, and so I think in that extreme, I'm not that good. So I don't think I have, you know, some people have that real musicality inside them of Mm -hmm. rhythm. I don't think I have that. Um, because I think I just get easily distracted by you know shiny things. Uh, so, um, <laughs> you're Billy Elliot until someone shows you some glittery jewelry to the side, and then exactly. you're like, "I'm gone, I'm gone." Yeah, exactly. Then it's fine. <laughs> but, what kind yeah, of dance ha- did you study? Sorry, I'm curious. What kind of dance? I did, did well, you I went take? to drama school. I went to the Guildford School of Acting uh, back in the '90s, and that yeah. gives you kind of an all-round musical theatre training. So, because uh, I was distracted by musical theatre, I, I look back at it now and go, "Why did you want?" You wanted to do TV and be funny personality type of comedy. Why did you go to musical theatre? And I think looking back now, I try to explain it, that it was kind of the only, the traditional route was the only option because there wasn't, you had no other idea how to, and I was was into musical theatre. I discovered uh, Amateur Dramatics Musical Society called Portsmouth Players in Portsmouth, which was a really big, you know, they would have professional directors, you know, you know, proper lace front wigs and choreographers and things. So it was quite a big, it was like a little, well, little, it was like a rep, really. But um, I probably did more musicals in that space of time than I've ever done in my actual career. Um, But that, I found my tribe with with musical theatre because when you think about it, you've just come out of the 80s into the 90s with the AIDS pandemic and things and you know the way that mm-hmm. the world was so I suddenly thought oh that was my safe zone wasn't it I didn't realise that what I was doing and somehow stumbled into drama school but a lot of my friends and a lot of people I know of like you know if you look at Alan Carr and you look at and my friend Gok obviously and uh, I, I don't, I, I'm not friends with Graham Norton but they that we're all from the same sort of era and I'm not putting myself in that category obviously of artists but you know, you know, they all went to drama school, and then found that drama school didn't fit them, which is what I, or the, what they were trying to do. What the, their own personality was the, was their biggest uh, skill set, rather than pretending to be somebody else. And I still pretend to be Bunny Galore, but I think my skill set wasn't in being in uh, sort of the chorus of an ensemble um, musical theatre piece. It was kind of me. So, but you know, but it, all that stuff came in very handy. Um, so yeah, we you did jazz, tap, ballet, 
uh, uh, Laban and things like that. So all those things, even though they, you, I don't really use them in theatre so much anymore, they they still they're still there in the back of your mind, sort of you know. So it always comes in handy. And I still you know I still do pantomime, so I'm still on stage with dancers and uh, you know. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. The like skill that. of learning to pas de beret always comes in handy, whether you think <laughs> yes, it will it or not. You could always right. Do the I, same thing. Look, I had no intention in being a stand-up comedian. I went to drama school as well. I got a theater degree. Did I was you? in musical theater. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. I was a drama teacher. I was a oh, high school drama teacher. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah. yes. So I absolutely studied. And first, my very first, uh, can you remember your first musical? My first musical was called Little Mary Sunshine. Was it Little Mary Sunshine? Yeah. And it was, I played a German opera singer, Ernestine von Liebdich. <laughs> I that was am my first obsessed role. with that idea now. I want to see that now. <laughs> it was amazing. That would be what amazing. What was your first musical? What was yours first? Oh. Can you remember your first musical? So my first musical, um, in drama school, in drama school. Or in was, life, whatever you want, whatever you want. First musical I did in the Amdram world was The Merry Widow, which is actually an operetta which I hated at the time, Ooh. but now I really love the music to it. That's a sign of age, isn't it? Um, but it's quite a lush <laughs> romantic sort of thing. I don't know whether that production was very good particularly. But the um, but then the second one I did uh, was more, which was Funny Girl, funny enough, as in the Barbara Streisand movie, ah. Funny Girl, which is now back, you know, it's been revived in the UK and now it's been revived on Broadway. But back then, yeah. like no one had tackled it for decades and they didn't tackle it for another two or three decades. Um, so that was, that was my click musical theatre moment because I suppose that's the first musical the first one was an operetta it's not actually a musical uh, and in drama yeah. school I think our first one was funny enough I've just seen a revival of it in London it's called How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying and they've just oh, done yes. a gen- yeah they've just done a gender swap um, production at the Southwark Playhouse which I went to the opening night to um, weirdly oh. strangely many years later uh, and I forgot it's a very that's a very Broadway musical uh, Daniel Radcliffe did it about 10 years ago and Sarah Jessica Parker's husband oh my goodness uh, he uh, uh, he's um, in the producers he did it in Matthew Matthew. Matthew Matthew Brotherick Matthew Brotherick there we go thank you took um, me a minute as well God, yeah yep. it's went out my head um, sorry Matthew I'm sure you're listening. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he is. We're very sorry. We apologize. So I loved you in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Go on. That's the one. Yes, exactly. He's great. <laughs> I think he's fabulous. So, but it's a very American musical, so it's kind of that's not yeah. done very often as well. Isn't that strange? And they did a gender swap. Yes, that's they did. So, so like had... the 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 oh. it's about a boy a window cleaner that becomes um, gets a book house succeed in business without really trying, and get, goes up through the corporate ladder. So the the. I thought they were going to rewrite it, but it wasn't. Yeah. It literally was gender swap roles. So um, really, so instead of it was so the Pierpont uh, is that character, the window cleaner. He was played by a girl. Uh, the bo- the big boss, Mister Bigley, uh, w- uh, was played uh, by a, a lady as well. So they kind of swapped, it, which is kind of. But no dialogue was changed or updated. So it was a bit like, mm, I'm not sure that works. I think I'd if I wanted to see a gender mm. swap version, I want to see it rewritten 
but you are because you because yeah. it's a nineteen sixties musical and it's and, and it was probably it's probably quite a light pastiche of the corporate world at the time, you know. Yes, yeah. fifty, sixty years later, it's it's become uh, very you know misogynist and sexist. Even though it's pastiching that, it's still not. It's kind of not. It's you know the the, the leading lady song is called "Happy to Keep His Dinner Warm." Now it's it's oh my uh, god, come at, on! At yeah. the time, it's yeah. taking the Mickey out of the of the heroine wanting you know you know longingly singing about sort of looking after her husband. But now the, the, the that that small cutting edge it had back in 1966 has kind of completely gone. It look and it look makes it look like it's uh, actually celebrating that rather than taking the Mickey out of that uh, 60 years later. So yeah, um, I, I'm not sure. It probably probably something that shouldn't be revived again and also probably not something that should be revived in the UK but it was a great experiment I thought it was really fun it was a fun night I enjoyed it great everyone's everybody was fabulous in it but I'm not sure without a script rewrite I don't think it works yeah you know some of the uh, this happens to a lot of shows though I mean Funny Girl they've had they rewrote uh, for Sheridan Smith at the Chocolate Factory and then at the Savoy and then when they've taken it to Broadway where they've t- rewritten it again. I don't know how successfully. Um, so it's funny, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think a lot of that... Here's the thing, though. So much misogyny and so much sexism is so ingrained into who mm. we are that I agree. I think a lot of musicals would have to be completely redone because there's so many, like stereotypes of characters yeah. that just that's that's what makes the musicals work and I'm like yeah. oh god 2023 it is uh wait till yeah. they start cutting musicals wait till they're like no no more that one is uh yeah <laughs> well but you think about Car- Carousel the musical is about an abuse an actual physical abuse of a relationship and it, that was beginning to feel a bit uncomfortable a few years ago let alone now <laughs> I don't know what I don't know yeah. what they do with it yeah. now but like, they do still keep doing it I'm like oh really guys um, I remember f- seeing the movie and thinking this is a bit odd and that was back in the 80s uh, of the 50s 60s 50s I think it is isn't it the movie uh, so yeah it's. I think some things don't age very well um, because it's not like film where it's it's a moment captured in time and you yeah. can always say that well, that's you know, a snapshot of the time because you you know because this is you know, yes the script is a, is a snapshot of time, but because you're reviving it, you're doing it afresh with new people right, and it feels a bit more raw because <laughs> you're like it's yeah. modern people saying yeah, yeah, these yeah. words, uh, so it's a bit like it's always a little bit awkward, and uh, yeah, it's a little bit strange, isn't it? Um, so um, yeah, I had I completely forgot that um, that you had that drama school background. So where did the yeah. stand up comedy come into once you'd started um, sort of going out to the big wide world? Does it kind of just speak to you then? Well, I'm very Joan Rivers, everyone. So this is uh, what went on with me. When I graduated from university, I got a teaching job, a high school teaching job. And I did not really want to be a teacher, but I just got the teaching degree to fall back on. Uh, And so I thought, oh, maybe I'll try stand-up comedy. That's something that I could do that didn't require someone to cast me. And I could do Mm. it while I was teaching. I thought I can keep Mm -hmm. my day job, and then I could do stand-up comedy at night. And then before too long, it just completely became my life. Uh, which is exactly Joan Rivers was uh, auditioning in the days. She wanted to be an actress. That's what she really wanted to do. So she auditioned in the days and became a stand-up comedian because she thought, oh, I can make money at night while I'm still auditioning. It's like stand-up yeah. sometimes just becomes this side thing that all of a sudden you're like, oh, is oh, this is what I was actually <laughs> meant to be doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Took the universe a little while to like got mm. me, get me there. But but yeah, so that's 
that's what drugged me there. Oh my god, I think it's so funny that this is a podcast about horror movies, and we started off talking so much about musicals. <laughs> Listeners, some of you might think musicals are like a horror because uh, some people hate musicals, <laughs> right? Do. Which do, I yeah. I get. Yeah, I respect that. It's not your it's not yeah. your jam. <laughs> there are so many good musicals out there. Not your jam, but. Uh, I would love what are horror musicals what horror musicals are there well Rocky Horror Picture well, Rocky Show Horror of course Little um, Shop of Horrors obviously um, Little Shop of Horrors I think that was yeah. a light moment was that discovering those two in the mid 80s I, I remember I first saw Rocky Horror in 85 uh, I think Channel 4 was the first UK uh, broadcast of that in 85 and I uh, you know that was like vadump. Uh, and the weird yeah. bit is about Rocky Horror I've only just realised this lately because I've seen uh, I've, I've seen the live show many many times but I've seen it so many times I stopped for quite a long time and I've just gone back in the last couple of years to start seeing it again because I've got friends who are in it uh, and then I suddenly literally it was the 2021 production that I went at Halloween I was like um, and, I was, and I don't ever go out as Bunny Galore and I have friends who said like, let's go out in costume and I was like oh, I don't do it anyway, I do it on stage I don't do it on I don't really want to do it for yeah. funsies but I thought you've been indoors for like two years get in a taxi now and you know go you know which way so I did do it yeah um, but I said I was sitting there dressed as Bunny Galore going like uh, in slightly more you know like a vampire version and I suddenly went, oh my gosh, the narrator character, which is a movie, hosts the movie. And I suddenly went, that's what I've ended up doing. I've ended up hosting horror films. Mm-hmm. And I just never saw that foreshadowing at all. It's this the weirdest um, little weird universal circle that I went, I've ended up doing this. Yeah. This is so strange. And then Little Shop of Horrors came out in 86, the movie. And I felt I absolutely love Little Shop uh, completely. Uh, so yeah, there are so some good. horror musicals. I think there are, isn't it? Like the Swamp Thing is. A, I think Night, I've seen Night of the Living Dead this live, the stage show. That's not a musical though. Um, yeah. Swamp Thing, the music. There is. There's a few. They're more like off Broadway ones, I think. Some pop yeah. up over here. Um, I'm surprised there's never been a movie horror musical. Wouldn't that be interesting? Um. I feel there is, and I've just lost track of them. Um, I'm sure Angie Stewart Head does one. I'm sure that, oh gosh, I can't remember what, what these are called. We should try Obviously, and find one. We yeah. should try and find yeah. musical horror movies. That would be very interesting yeah. to bring there are all a those few, together. I, I do remember one of the Christopher Lee eight, late 80s movies. He sings in that, so that must be... Um, because it was him singing like like in, in a, uh, this is the first time I'm singing in a music in a movie and it was he's got this big baritone sort of opera voice in it and I can't for the life remember what that is so that must be a horror movie a musical um, yeah there are there, there are obviously not that popular <laughs> because we can't remember well, them <laughs> yeah. I think listeners usually... if you are a musical writer please write a musical <laughs> that Bunny and I could both be here that's a good we would idea. love that uh-huh. wouldn't that be great Look at me. I'm not going to write it, but if somebody else could uh, exactly. get on that and create a vehicle for Bunny and I, we would absolutely love that. Great idea. Um, Let's do it. All right. Well, I, I'm ready. I'm ready. We could. Okay. Look, I could talk about musicals all day, but we're, we are going to talk about the movie that I brought because this one, look, we've done a lot of monsters. We've done vampires, but it's been a while since we've done human being terror mm. right where the monster is a is a person uh, and so i was like let's go back to this let's go back to a movie that has probably been overlooked by a lot of people which hey i get it 
Uh, I am not speaking of the remake, but the movie that I have brought to the Horror Motel this week is the 1987 classic, The Stepfather. Now, had you seen The Stepfather? Now, you thought you saw it because there was a remake of it. Very Mm. different. Had you seen it? Tell Tell me your... Thoughts, I, history, I think uh, so. No, I have. I didn't see the eighty-seven version. I do remember yeah. it coming out, and I remember seeing the trailer. Uh, I do remember the trailer for the two thousand nine. Is it Steve Guckenberg? Is it is that is that him? I can't remember who is the lead in that one. Uh, he as in three men and a baby. Um, I maybe it isn't. Maybe I made that up. But I I don't think I've seen the remake for that matter. But I I do remember seeing the trailer for this version and thinking oh that looks interesting but you know in the late 80s I probably was going more for you know you know musicals or horror I guess horror horror you know sort of like so yep. I probably wasn't it maybe had passed us by and I, I'm not convinced it got a a release over here uh, so in my head I was I used to think of it as a TV movie did it was it, it was a cinema release I guess in America it absolutely was a cinema yeah. release yeah 100% um, it was, I'm looking up the cast right now because, again, as always, uh, Terry O'Quinn was the scary guy in it. Now, Terry has been in a yes. lot of movies, and I think, yeah, he's a little overlooked. This is when he's young, and in fact, he had, uh, I believe it was a lot of, like, comedic background kind of roles. This is the first time he did, like, a like a serious, scary motion picture. And a yes. lot of the people, a lot of reviewers, uh, Ebert, uh, tons of them, were like... The movie itself, eh, but they thought his, his portrayal of this yeah. killer is amazing because yeah. his performance is phenomenal. So essentially, if you don't know the story of the stepfather, let me tell you, this is what goes down. We find movie opens. Uh, we see a man uh, doing getting ready for work is what it looks like, right? Mm. Shaving, preparing. We see, and then he walks downstairs, and we see that he has murdered his family uh, and is leaving and is uh, proceeding now to go begin what we find out is his new life. So it is about a serial killer stepfather who goes through. When the family disappoints him, he kills the family, moves on to the next. Now, it was loosely loosely based on a story of a man in New Jersey who killed his family in 1971 and was on the run until 1989 when his uh, profile was shown on the television show America's Most Wanted. So it was based uh, on this loosely. There was also yeah, it, there was also another story of another man who hid from police uh, and took on a new identity and became the father of this family. So it is kind mm. of an amalgamation of two kind mm. of real, like they, these things did happen, but there's a lot of creative license in this. But the first time I saw it, I was young, right? Obviously, I was a, a teenager. Uh and I think it spoke so much to my preteen angst, you know, where your parents are <laughs> awful and, you know, I was fighting a lot with my dad. And I think that's why the stepfather at that time stood out to me yeah. so very, very much uh, because it's, you know, we it, he comes to the new family. Uh, we, it starts off, he falls in love with the mom. She has a, a daughter, the lovely daughter. Oh, we know her. She's been in other things before. I'm looking it up right now. Jill yeah. Show how do I say it? Sholene, Sholene, Show S C H O E L E N. 
Uh, and she's been in a lot of things. Uh, she, she's a little little popular little actress, but this was one of her very first movies. And she's like, I don't like him. There's something odd about him. There's something <laughs> off. And mom's like, you're just, it's because your father died and you can't. Which, classic dismissive parent. Like, yes. in a lot of horror yes. movies, there's always that classic dismissive parent. A father who's like, he'll be fine. He just needs to toughen up. This mom, it'll be fine. You just need to get to know him better. I was like, oh my God. So to me, it is the classic, just like, of course, mom is, you know, mom's all good. If you see the movie too, they do a great job of making mom this just like, obviously she lost her husband. She's sad. And stepfather is pounding the hell out of her at night. She's, you know what I mean? She's getting yeah. laid left, right, and center. So she's in like, isn't Jerry wonderful world? And the daughter's like, there's something up with him. There's something up with him. And everyone's like, you're ridiculous. She is a therapist. She goes to see the therapist. She's like, I just don't trust him. There's something up with him. And then the therapist is like, well, you know, maybe I'll have a chat with him. Tries to have a chat with him. Dad ends up killing him. I don't want to give away the whole movie, no, but there's a lot yeah. of like, <laughs> what he does. And also, actually, if I may say, as a person who appreciates, and now you're the expert in wigs and, you know, prosthetics, hmm. and I thought he did a very good job of changing up his look yes. for each different character, wouldn't yeah. you say? Yeah. Yeah. Well, su yeah, suddenly yeah. he's, when we see him, there's some few flashes of him uh, going to... To interview for another job, isn't there? He goes on a boat mm -hmm. and he kind of goes in, and suddenly he takes off the lace front wig he's been wearing uh, for the for as the main uh, uh, section of the Jerry. Movie. Jerry yeah. is his name. Yeah, 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 yeah. And putting on a lace moustache, lace you know, like lace knotted moustache, and I was suddenly was like, oh my goodness, that's really well done. I hadn't, I didn't even clocked it was a lace front that he was wearing. I was kind of aware at the beginning scenes where you're seeing the flashbacks to the previous family that he's got a longer wig on yeah. and he's got a, a, a fake beard on, uh, which I think is supposed to be his own because uh, he cuts the beard off, you know, he shaves the beard off. That yeah. looked a little bit yeah. hokey, but uh, but yeah. then it. <laughs> Was not the hair so much, but the the, the beards can be very hard. Um, uh, on stage, okay. On on camera, a bit tricky. Um, and he, but the rest of the movie, I thought it, that was his own hair. Then I realised it wasn't. And I'm so used to seeing him in Lost um, that it took oh, me yes. ages. Oh yeah, I never saw Lost. <laughs> well, I mean, to be I able think, to see him as. Well, I, mean, I think I mean I, the first first. It's got the best opening mini series. If it was just a four-parter, it would have been the best series ever. But because it drones on for so long, and it literally, you, you know, kind of gets more overcomplicated and doesn't really move very well plot-wise past season two. I think it's quite it's quite hard yeah. to watch. I think, especially weekly. Back in the days of weekly streaming, now it might be easier to watch it. But he was really great in the show. Sure. But it, he was terrifying in that. Is really unsettling in that. So it's a very similar role to um, what he's playing here. So it's lovely to see him kind of dig into that as a, uh, a niche. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And of course... Because he is good too. Uh, Shelley Hack yeah. as um, as the wife oh, from the uh, Charlie's Angels. Um, she she was the first... She was the first recast of... Um, not Jacqueline Smith. Uh, Kate Jackson. So she was the... Um, out of the... Uh, Jacqueline Smith does all, all five seasons... Obviously, Farrah leaves after season one. And she's replaced by um, Cheryl Ladd. But the first recast after th going into season four uh, is uh, is uh, Shelley Hack comes in. 
as is like kind of the more sort of serious one. And she wasn't a yeah. great actress back in those days. I have to say, she's she kind of she obviously is quite a. Uh, I think she was a model originally, so she's quite new to acting yeah. at that point. But the difference in whatever what is this eight years nine years is huge. She's suddenly become you know really settled into like into it. She knows what she's doing completely by this point. So it's lovely to see that. Yeah. Um, I was well, and that was like, the selling point for her? you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the selling yeah, point. Yeah. For yeah. Her. I, she... I want to watch that. Yeah. Because I was like, what did that, happen Because I her? said, because there is the remake, right? Which again, mm. look, uh, if you watch the remake, it's fine. It's your traditional teeny, but they switch it up. There's gender role. Speaking of gender role reversals, instead of a daughter, it is a son. Mm. The son returns home. Dad has been gone. He has a girlfriend with him. Uh, and then mom has met this new boyfriend. So it's a son reacting, mm. which very different. It, it was a very, very different, different vibe. Vibes, the yeah. movie's movie's fine but it's a bit more teeny horror whereas i thought this original mm. one the stepfather actually it's, i, I actually it thought it was more yeah. scary i think obviously it would yeah, speak to more you chilling. more allison because it's it's a it's a feat it's a daughter understandably yep. i'm yep. not saying i would be you know appeal more to the, the the boy version but i think that because it's a, a a father role coming in with a daughter is very different to a father role coming in with a son. Because I don't think that would be mm-hmm. such an emotional, you know. And the whole I was waiting for oh, at some point she's going to kiss a boy and he's going to go nuts. Oh, there we go. Um, there we <laughs> go. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I was I was waiting for that because that you know you you'd want that to be in it. Um, I yeah. thought this was uh, he was just the right side of deliciously unhinged. Uh, not going too over the top with it. Uh, it was kind of played quite real, even though it has quite dramatic, you know, over dramatic moments. It has it. Played, it it's got a real um, a groundness to it and realness to, it. especially for, you know for when is this eighty seven? So it's kind of it's still. And what's I, what? Why I probably didn't watch at the time is because I would have thought, oh, that feels a bit like a TV movie. That's kind of a bit a bit overblown, a bit of a silly plot. Now. How many years later? Nearly, you know, thirty odd years later, because we have we know so much about true crime, and I know about those two cases you're talking about that this is based on. I've seen yeah. documentaries about that or podcasts about that. I think suddenly it takes on a whole because I think it probably would have been a bit unbelievable to us in the UK um, back in '87. This story, like, oh, as if that's going to happen. That's silly. Yeah, it's totally true. But it totally happens, and it's, it came from has stuff. Happened. Yeah. yeah. So now we're yeah, a bit more aware yeah. of those sort of things really happening. Um, yeah. Because uh, there's one guy, you're right, there, there's one guy, there's one There's one case of that, I think he got fined out so, so much later, and I think it was either America's Most Wanted, uh, no, it is America's Most Wanted that he gets called out on, because mm-hmm. he's, um, and he was married again to someone who didn't know anything at the time. He hadn't gone through, yeah. he had only killed one set of family hadn't gone through several that we know of anyway yeah um, but do i do really do remember that case yeah um because it was it was really nice that it got caught and it's so by the way obviously america's most wanted we didn't really have here but that's that let me get this right that's the one where the host his son was kidnapped and killed is that right yes Absolutely, um, yeah, and that, that is why he did it. That's yeah. why I started it because obviously yeah. it's kind of. I knew what the show was. I knew the, who the host was, but we did really know. It. Is it Adam? Is it Adam? His his son that was killed. Um, I've seen the um, 
cases i've seen the uh, documentaries about that since but i didn't know at the time when I, you know back in the 80s when the show was on air um isn't that crazy it's it's you know i'm so glad it, that he um it's wild he did that he turned something so horrible into a, a sort of a, a huge legacy to help others and yeah. i don't think he's ever found out he's never found out to this day what happened not, to his son but i believe probably, no i think someone was arrested yeah. eventually but i don't they're not quite sure if it was really him um yeah uh, as much as you can tell, I think it's probably that most likely it was this guy, um, but yeah, horrible, horrible. And I think that this world of you know that we're all addicted to true crime. And I mean, my favorite podcast, um, uh, as far as real, real stuff, is Red Handed. And I went to see them live at the Palladium, actually, me and my friend Josh, and that was so cool. And I've, the only thing that slightly cooled me about uh, true crime is the Nicola Bully case that happened in the UK here and back in January, and everyone went up because everybody, apparently, I think it was just me, I think it was the pandemic that did it to us. I think we all got into true crime because it was like, well... I might be locked in my house, but at least I'm not being chased by a serial killer. Um, I, I That's swear. exactly, we were looking for some happiness, yeah. <laughs> yes, I think it was kind of like, it was kind of this uh, uh, obsession with the macabre, it's because it's not as bad as your own life, I think, <laughs> which is quite yeah, a Freudian yeah. little thing to discover. <laughs> Uh, but Literally. I do because everyone was so uh, overzealous about the Nicola Bully case, the drowning in the river, that um, I, that's put me off slightly since then because I feel a bit went oh you know what it feels a bit too voyeuristic now it feels a bit like um, a bit distasteful uh, turning it into entertainment. Um, yeah. So, uh, but because of all our taste in uh, true crime, I think this film is far more interesting because it feels and it makes more sense oh. that it feels so real as well. I think it really does. Yes. I think it feels and, and it, it it really does feel real. I mm. I just I, I'm such a fan of this movie. Now the other thing, the the subplot, plot B that is going on uh, while this is mm. going on, because we've always got to have a subplot, is the brother of the previous murdered family is like uh, I want to find you know Jerry I want to look into this so he he wants to go on his own search to find out exactly what happened to his sister and the family he meets up with cops I just I love though that it does this is where you got to suspend your disbelief yes he goes he talks to the cops he gets an article and a paper written about him the cops are like here's everything we know I'm not supposed to tell you but here's all the details I'm like all right well that's not really gonna happen uh, so we get this crazy this brother searching crazily for you know to find the killer and then in the end, I almost don't even understand the point of the brother's search for him because yeah. the brother shows up and the brother gets killed. Like, I guess he just, sorry, he, spoiler he alert. Just, yeah, he does. Well, he gets we, killed the moment he like Jerry answers the door. The brother's there, and Jerry stabs him. Like it's yeah. like, well, there's. I mean, I presume that journey's he's over. Dead. We don't see him again, do we? So we presume that's what happens. He, oh yeah. I mean, maybe <laughs> stepfather too. He makes a, a maybe. That's what's going on because there is. I know there is that three was, stepfathers. Was... Is there? There's three of them. There's three. three of them, and then the remake. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I didn't realize the I second one. I don't know how. Jerry um, breaks out of an insane asylum in the second one. Just so oh you know, that's what he goodness. does. He break... Yeah. I had no and... idea there was a, the sequels. I didn't realize mm -hmm. it must have been quite a popular movie. Then it must have um, been been that. I didn't realize it was that popular. Um, it was an under the radar kind of mm -hmm. cult, but it did not do great. Like in the box office. 
it barely made a ripple in the box office waters. It was like, uh, what was it, 2.4 million? Like it didn't get. You, I wonder if it's one of those that just was a bit more successful on TV and uh, VHS, perhaps. Because I would imagine this would I go think down VHS. very well. Yeah. And late night TV, I can imagine this being a very much, not in the UK, yeah. so I don't think it's as well known over here. But I can imagine that on a cable channel, that going down quite well. So perhaps that's why they did the remake. Remake? Yeah, the sequels. The second, um, the sequel. Yeah. So because uh, I remember yeah. seeing them in the in the video stores, walking oh around Blockbuster, and I clearly remember. So the first one, Stepfather One, is just him like a face. Stepfather Two, I believe it's a wedding cake with two people on top, and then he's standing over top of it with a knife on oh, top. That Stepfather that. Two. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the classics. Yes. There were yeah. a certain genre of horror film that if you walked around Blockbuster, you went into any yes. sort of horror, certain. Uh, titles or, or movie um, uh, pictures like the, mm. the what, what is the word I'm looking for case uh, po- covers the case VHS covers, yes, yeah. posters yeah. for one of the words absolutely stand out to me and the stepfathers they, they were one of the ones that I was always like oh yeah 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 um, oh my goodness yes. interesting facts uh, oh uh, also uh, the soundtrack when the soundtrack first starts playing on this okay everyone that's where we really see the dated time in this <laughs> the soundtrack is a little old at the beginning um, uh, I love uh, there's a point where the brother finds out who Jerry is and he's chasing the guy and there's literally a scene where he's driving he's trying to get back to Jerry's house but there's a nun with kids crossing in the street do, oh. do you remember that and he couldn't <laughs> I was like oh my god this is hilarious a nun with kids and also the gratuitous shot of the 17 year old now she wasn't really 17 at the time Jill was not 17 getting into the shower just nudity for no reason for no reason that surprised me quite a lot yeah because I suddenly went I know you're probably trying to make her look vulnerable vulnerable yeah but I was but you're also just trying to show off a 21 year old's naked body for no reason he at least for once you see him get naked which is uh, which is quite unusual. Not in a sexy way. It's him changing out of his no. like the clothes he just murdered his first family in. But it's not a sexy way. It's not, not a, a sexy, sexy way. way. <laughs> not in a sexy way. Not even in a um, uh, oh um, oh god, uh, the serial killer um, with a chainsaw um, uh, uh, banker. Um, <laughs> Leatherface. No, uh, no. Um, as in, it wears a suit, and I've oh got my brain's really gone today. Uh, 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 sort of corporate uh, American corporate Psycho. Ba- American Psycho. Thank you. Oh, oh goodness, there that's we hard go. work. Yes. Took me a there minute. Took me a yes. minute. Yeah. Yeah. Suddenly went. Um, and I <laughs> wouldn't mind, but the amount of friends I've got that are very much like American Psycho. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I should. I should remember that. Um, mm. Because yeah, there's a few of them where I'm like, yeah, you're literally. Yeah, you know, your bedroom looks like you know you've got four short shirts hanging up in color order, and you know, and shoes, and you know, it looks like a serial killer to me. That's exactly <laughs> what you are, um, and what I'm sure one day maybe we'll find out. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So he that so he does it. With, that, that was a bit shocking. The nudity of um, uh, with her, I thought. That Jill, was a, yeah, Jill, that was yeah, a bit strange. Because it was just weird. She's getting into the shower and all of a sudden it was just like, oh, and she's nude. And this is when all the like, look, once Jerry's discovered, mom. And here's the other thing, though, that I did like about the movie. When the action happens, mm. it fucking happens. It happens. Right? I'm so it's like. say, yeah. That's one of the. So quick. Yeah, it's so quick. And it's really quite. Uh, when you go into the final quarter of the movie, it kind of um, act four, as it were. It's 
yeah, it really is quite... Uh, it pays off more than I was expecting. I wasn't expecting um, uh, a, a, a full-blooded as that. I was expecting it to be slightly... The punches a bit be a bit more pulled. Um, oh no! But yeah. you know it's but you know it's hard to talk about it without saying without giving spoilers away, isn't it? So you know listeners go. Yeah, it's on, it really. You know what it's on YouTube for free, so go go and watch it, guys. It really is. It's fairly easy to uh, um, to find. So I was quite uh, you know it's quite approachable and worthwhile. I think if you especially like eighties horror thrillers, um, yeah, it was certainly worth watching. I have to say. I think so. I truly, you know, because I was like, is this just a movie that stands out in my head as one that I remember because of my teenage angst? <laughs> or is it a good movie? And that's why I was like, I'm going to present this uh, and see what you think. So I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. I think it's scary. I still think it's scary yeah. to this no, it, day. Yeah, it did make, yeah. make me jump. Yeah. Not, not, well, maybe not jump, but um, it made me, uh, it, I was enthralled. I was, it, uh, yeah, it drew me in. I have to say I would, I wouldn't call it a horror movie. I would call it a thriller, ah. but that's fine. But I still like, you know, I yeah. still like those type of films. Uh, and because yeah. it's kind of uh, based on true, uh, true story of like, uh, you know, someone that's killed his family, then I think it is, has a horror elements to it. Um, elements, but, yeah. Yes, but I think this is probably comes under the term. If you, if I was in the VHS store that we have at the horror motel uh, at the back, you know, just <laughs> but, how many we've got about 20 titles haven't we in a rack <laughs> just by reception um i would probably put it in the thriller section rather than the horror section but that still makes it a very enjoyable movie so we can still talk about it you know we can do what yeah. it's our show we can do what we like Alison. we can do what we want and as we've discussed in the past there's a, there's a wide range of what people would classify as horror and everyone yeah. has different opinions um, yeah, and this actually, I thought it was really interesting when I read about it. The screenwriter Donald E. Westlake based mm-hmm. the character of Stephanie, which is the the character that Jill plays, the daughter, on his real life teenage stepdaughter, who he was having difficulty getting along with at oh. the time. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is a for him to get out is you know, uh, you hate me, I'll write a movie about this. Um, <laughs> And she actually, uh, Jill, um, the the char- well, the, what is her name? And I just said it there, uh, Stephanie in the in the movie. She actually did almost all of her own stunts, which I thought oh, was wow. really interesting. So, yeah. yeah, so back then, I mean, that was a big deal, right? They would hire yeah. people in to do all sorts of things, but but they did it, and I I was impressed with her, and I just yeah, I I really recommend this one as I think a, a movie, a scary movie that a lot of people have not seen. Again, the remake, fine. It's your average teeny bopper. But I feel like this one, I don't know. There's more of an element of creepiness, scary. Mm. I think he does such a good job of playing the, like, when you see his breaks from, like, uh, where he's at. Like, when he goes downstairs, because he goes into, like, his woodworking room. And that's where he starts to, like you know, lose it. Like, who am I? Where am I? What is it? And he, like, just has breakdowns that he keeps secret. Um, And I thought he did such a good job of those. Like, his, from who he, like, just a brilliant performance. The movie itself, I mean, you can can like it, you can hate it, but, uh, you know, the performances, I just... I really liked it, you know. His one thing where he says right before he attacks mom, when when Mm -hmm. she knows the jig is up, who am I here? I do like that one moment where yeah. he's like, wait a minute, who, 
who am I here? Because he yeah. says the wrong last name. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, right, sorry, who am I here? And that yeah. was kind of the catchphrase for the whole, mo- whole movie. Who am I here? Yeah. Um, and I just, yeah. So I highly recommend The Stepfather to anyone who has not seen it, especially if you like weird family dynamics in a horror movie. Uh, this does it. This is excellent. This is excellent. Watch the, watch the remake if you want. Let me know what you think. Mm. I think I remember trying to watch the sequel. Um, I think the first one is better. I remember yes. not being as interested in the sequel, but it would be interesting to see what mm. the hell they did with Jerry, right? Mm. Breaking out of an asylum. Like, eh? I'd like to see how they yeah, pull that off. See, I always yeah. like an asylum story. Mm. It's always exciting when someone comes out. <laughs> um, but now that I have exposed you to the stepfather, one of my adolescent... Uh, Adolescent horrors. Bunny, what do you think? Where in the horror motel should we check this gem in? Well, I so what I was thinking because of certain scenes in the film that keep at the sick of my mind, particularly the confrontation at the end, is that in room uh, 11, they've that the bathroom there is peach tiled <laughs> and it's got and it's still got like the gold shagpal uh, carpet in there. It's, it's yeah. very 80s, uh, listeners, very. That, that, that bathroom. So uh, I, I think, uh, you know, with the steam running, with the hot tap running, I think it should go into uh, the bathroom in that room because it's very 80s, but it's still spooky as anything. In that psycho kind of way, and it has one of the, you know, uh, bathroom scene that is quite quite disturbing when he, he's trying to... Uh, do a full-on, uh, you know, a hatchet, uh, <laughs> in the shining kind of get to get through the door type of thing. He uh, kicks it, the door through. That's yeah. amazing. That, yeah. that he actually fixes, he gets through a door as well is quite terrifying. Um, so that's yeah. that's. So I'm going to put it in the bathroom of that in, in bedroom number eleven. <laughs> what an excellent call! I absolutely love that. To all future customers staying in the hotel, uh, maybe don't use the bathroom. Knock yes. on room number 12. Went well to use it. But no, I think that's an absolutely wonderful place to put the stepfather. Um, yeah, in the bathroom, room 111, where it's 80s gloriousness. Um, oh, how exciting. Well, I, thank you so much. That was literally going down memory lane for me. Yes, I loved it. Uh, I really loved it. Yeah. I'm so glad you liked it. Thank you. Oh, that makes because it's again, it's one that I was like, oh, it's not, not a lot of people would probably remember it, but I do believe if you see it, you'll be like, I remember that VHS cover. Yeah, I remember those covers. You will. Um, now, next week, do you want to give any indicators on what you're doing, or do you so, want to leave it? Yes, secret? actually, well, it's harkening back to a couple of weeks ago when we we reviewed Midsummer, and I suddenly realised, Alison, talking about it, that. I hadn't watched Hereditary, so I thought I would bring oh that my. to the Horror Motel because it's it's fairly new, and somehow I skipped it. I've actually remembered why I skipped it now, uh, uh, no, but I'll tell you about that next week. Oh well, thank you again so much to all of our listeners. Warning for those of you who do have a stepfather out there, we are not saying that all stepfathers are like this, so please do not take that as any sort of indication. Uh, but we are delighted you have joined us, and we cannot wait to have you back again because you're part of our family as we discuss more dysfunctional family horrors. <laughs>